New sponsor alert. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. This brand new sponsor is the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt or a little bit of dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either way too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit for an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they can offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off using code DOINK at trueclassic.com. Not only are you finally getting a t-shirt designed for your male body, but the first thing you'll notice is how big and soft it is. Get ready to make a thrift shop run because you won't be able to go back to cheap materials once you try these. It's about time you learn how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com with code DOINK. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. The last sponsor of the day is BetterHelp. Hey everyone, you know Brendan and Eric take football very seriously, but there's something we should be taking even more seriously, and that is your mental health. Some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that could be not be further from the truth. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 licensed therapists. It's not crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional therapy done securely online. One of the biggest advantages of BetterHelp is how quickly you can start talking to a licensed professional. If you have looked for a therapist in the area, you can you know it's, it can even take weeks or even months just to find someone that you're comfortable talking to. With BetterHelp, it can take as little as 48 hours and it is easy to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash double doing podcast. And we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deke. Thank you so much for tuning in today, guys. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. I have a really cool episode for you today. I have a guy on that I've been looking to talk to for a very long time. He is the former vice president of finance for the Green Bay Packers. He is currently working at Sports Illustrated as a writer there. Andrew Brandt is with me. Andrew, how are we doing? I'm doing well, Brendan. Good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to jump on, man. Really appreciate it. So uh, I guess we'll start with what your more, your most recent work, and that kind of ties into uh, my side of things as well. So you wrote an article about Jalen Hurts this week for Sports Illustrated. Why don't you, if you mind, why don't you tell, kind of tell the listeners, maybe summarize what you wrote about Jalen Hurts, what you maybe you learned about how kind of the process has been since Jalen Hurts has became a Philadelphia Eagle. Yeah, I wrote as much about Carson Wentz as I did about Jalen Hurts. It just shows, I mean, I'm here in Philadelphia, and I've followed this very closely over the last four or five years. It just shows you the whole story of best laid plans. And the article also talks about the 49ers, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, the plan was all Wentz. Uh, the Eagles were as all in on Carson Wentz as any team in the NFL has ever been all in on a player. They traded massive draft capital to get uh, opportunity to draft Carson Wentz. They gave him the biggest contract for a young quarterback in history once they could. They traded Nick, Nick Foles, the Super Bowl winning quarterback who was his backup, was kind of a shadow over him. So they got rid of him. And then, of course, they gave him the keys to the franchise. One of the things they did, it sounds counterintuitive, Brendan, but to also to express their commitment to Carson Wentz was to draft Jalen Hurts. And the reason I say that is they got rid of an expensive backup in Foles and they wanted a cheap backup. And what better way to get a cheap backup than a second round pick? Now, that's not to say they didn't like Jalen Hurts, but this was a perfect opportunity 
You're paying top dollar to Carson Wentz. So bring in Hertz as a backup. And that was the plan. You know, her, Wentz was as all in as ever. They had a huge contract. It would take enormous cap hit to, to trade him or release him or whatever. And then everyone knows the rest of the story. Carson Wentz, to me, had the most precipitous fall in the history of football, at least the modern history of football. I don't get it. And I'm not a football expert, but I was all in on him, too. I thought he was big, strong, mobile, good head, uh, incredible work ethic, smart. And like, no, he just went to the pits in 2020. And two teams later, it just seems like he has no football awareness whatsoever. He gets sacked at an alarming rate. That's the one side of it. And then the other side of it is the Eagles did make that move. They took on a $34 million cap hit. They get Jalen Hurts, and oh my God, he's been a revelation. He has an extraordinary ability to run a team. And just what I've seen the past two years, he has great awareness. He's got great strength. Uh, he doesn't have a super, you know, uh, an elite arm, but it's good enough. And of course, he brings the running threat. Um, he is managing a stacked team right now. They're stacked on O-line. They're stacked on D-line. They got A.J. Brown now. They've got Darius Slay in the back end. That team is poised for greatness. And it just shows you the, the, the theme of my article that you just never know. I mean, they drafted Carson Wentz to be a backup. I'm sorry, they drafted Jalen Hurts to be a backup. And here we are where he might be MVP of the league and Carson Wentz may be top, bottom two or three quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are. So I always had the the mindset and the belief that, yes, the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts to be a backup. I, I'm assuming that had something to do with it. But, and, and you're, and you, you can maybe relate to this because you, you've been in front of, you've been in a front office before. Drafting a quarterback in the second round to be a backup, in my opinion, is a very odd way to use your resources. It almost feels like to me, and this can almost tie back to Howie Roseman. There's there's tons of uh, tons of data and tons of kind of um, radio hits and impressors to to back this up. That Howie Roseman loves Russell Wilson. He was obsessed with Russell Wilson. He was enamored by him. He wanted to draft Russell Wilson, and when he missed out on that opportunity, when the CLs, when the Seattle Seahawks traded above the Eagles to grab him he kind of still had this feeling that he wanted to find maybe the next Russell Wilson. And I think that High Roseman actually looked at Jalen Hurts as maybe he looks like Russell Wilson. He kind of plays a little bit like him. I I just have a hard time believing that the only reason that the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts is to be a backup. They loved what they saw in him. They loved the intangibles. They loved the leadership. They drafted him as a quarterback prospect that they believe that could be a starter in the NFL someday. It, it is is that kind of along those lines or? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it because of what they committed to Wentz. I mean, there's just no way that they're drafting a starting quarterback in 20, whatever it was, 2021 or 2020 when they committed everything to Wentz. I mean, it's Fair like, enough. it's like if the pick a name, if like if someone drafted someone to be starter in Kansas city or drafted someone to be a starter in, in the chargers or in the Bengals. I mean, they committed everything to this guy. Mm -hmm. I will say this because you bring up Russell Wilson. And listen, Howie Roseman's a friend. Where I'm talking to you, he probably lives two blocks from here. Um, you know, he can't get too much credit here because he did want Russell Wilson. Yeah. And maybe he wanted Deshaun Watson. And they were kind of like, yeah, maybe we'll commit to Jalen Hurts. But now they have no option. I mean, unless there's a dramatic downturn. 
he's going to be the guy and he's going to get a huge contract at this time next year. Um, and that's where we are. And it's just, again, fortune. And the other part of the article, Brendan, was the 49ers. They are all in and still are on Trey Lance. They committed not one, not two, three number one draft picks. And when you, you know, who tra trading three number one draft picks, they don't even, you don't even get pro bowlers for that. I mean, people don't even trade three number ones for pro. Now they're trading it for a quarterback that hardly ever played in college, but they did. So Garoppolo was persona non grata. They tried to trade him for six months. They dumped his money from 25 million to 6 million. And lo and behold, Lance is the starter for five quarters and back to Garoppolo. And here he is. He's got a lot of bonuses that make can get him up to maybe $12 million. But the 49ers are lucky here because they didn't trade him. And they had him for $25 million as a decent starter contract. Then they get him for $6 million on a nice backup contract for Garoppolo. Now he's on a really bad starting contract. And the 49ers get all the beneficiary of that. What do you make of uh, the the moves that Harry Rosen has made to kind of maybe re rebuild his image? Because he after the twenty twenty season, if you talk to majority Eagles fans, they they didn't want him back. He has done an absolute sensational job of rebuilding this roster. Did did you think he had this in him? Like it, it's kind of crazy just to see the year and a half kind of complete. Yeah, I, I think this is something that I take personally too, and and this is a defense of him because, as you mentioned, with my background. It's same as Howie. You know, we grew up together as people call us capologists, cap managers, vice president of player finance, vice president of player payroll, whatever it is. And our primary uh, job was negotiating all the contracts. And there has been this bias. And you can tell me as much as anyone if it's still there or not. That no, no, GM's got to come from scouting backgrounds. GM's got to be like all these other hires that just come from college scouting. And Howie's like, no, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to come from that because if you're a GM, you got to do a lot more than scout. And you really make your value by negotiating. And what Howie has shown the world in football we can all debate whether this pick's good or that pick's good. He has negotiated superbly with other general managers. His trades, his signings contractually with agents, you know, he's a cut above. So if I'm looking to hire a general manager, I may look at, yeah, you can get a great scout anywhere, but can you get someone that can continuously get positive deals out of other general managers. He did it on AJ Brown, not only with the, with the trade comp where Devonte Adams and Tyree kill went for a one and a two, he got them for like one and a three. And then on the, and on the financial comp, he got AJ Brown locked in like five years. The other one's got two, three years. So anyway, that's the value of a general manager like that. And I think in my opinion, there should be more of them. You can kind of almost pinpoint it to the the rival in the NFC East, right? Like with David Gettleman had kind of a scouting background. He was yeah. a football guy. And take a look at how that all went, right? And look at the – you probably needed a guy like Hi Roseman or yourself to kind of negotiate or help him with some of his contracts. Like Kenny Galladay right now, it looks like the worst contract in football. So you make a great point. Well, that's – that again, I'm just going to show my Packer background here because 
that's Kenny Galladay is just one example of hundreds where people get excited about these marquee free agents signings and they never work out. Mm-hmm. Now, some do, of course, you can't, you know, stereotype them all, but most don't. And uh, certainly not for the money they're being paid. And I know fans get excited in March, you know, like, and I, I heard it for 10 years, Brandon, why aren't you doing anything Packers? Why aren't you doing and I'm like, yeah, I mean, look at the Packers. Look, they picked up players like Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell off the scrap heap. And they're performing better than the, the $20 million a year free agents. So. so we'll get to the Packers in a bit. I want to transition to um, the Carolina Panthers. I, I found their kind of the last three-year strategy to be very interesting and could and maybe a good case study. So the Panthers are 30th in EPA per play on offense since Matt Rule has taken over as head coach. So they've built, in my opinion, one of the worst offensive infrastructures that you can possibly build for a quarterback, for an offense since Matt Rule has been there. What do you make of the Matt Rule era? What could they have done differently? What What do you think they maybe should have done? Um, what do you make of this whole process with him? Because it, it's been nothing short of a disaster, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm probably more defensive about it than you are because okay. – I don't know him, but I know of him. Uh, he certainly he he came into this in a, in a school where I am called Temple, uh, which had fight, no, fight for the red and the white baby, <laughs> which had very 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 low uh, program, and he took it to a high level. Then he went to Baylor, which was rocked by scandal, and he took that to a high level. So you would hope he could do that in the NFL, and that's why they hired him. And he had other offers besides Carolina, so he was in demand that year. Um, it hasn't worked primarily the obvious point. Any fifth grader could tell you this, which is they haven't had a quarterback. Uh, they tried Bridgewater, they tried Darnold, and now they're trying Mayfield. Um, everyone knows they were as aggressive as anyone trying to get Deshaun Watson and he eliminated them for whatever reason. Um, so here we are. Uh, you know, I think the future could be bright because, they're one and two, I believe, but they were, you know, they lost on the last second, but won one game and lost by a point or two the other game. It could be three and oh, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's on the hot seat. Like, you know, these coaches that come in year two, year three, year four, haven't won. They're all on the hot seat. So I'm assuming that you probably find the New Orleans Saints, the way that they run their they run their team very interesting. And again, maybe another good case study to take a look at is how teams build their rosters. Right now, it's not looking so hot. James Winston has a back injury that looks like it's uh, nagging him. He hasn't even practiced in London um, earlier today, so that's something to watch out for. Andy Dalton might be getting the start. The Philadelphia Eagles own the New Orleans Saints' first-round draft pick this year. Andrew, from your expertise of being in the front office, what do you make of how the Saints kind of do business, I guess, is the best way to ask this, because – they're, 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 they do it a lot differently than any other team in the NFL. Yeah, and what you're talking about is kicking the can down the road cap-wise. For people who don't know, you can take a big bonus. I mean, I'm sorry. You can take a big salary of a player. You can bonus it out. So if a player is supposed to make $20 million, uh, and he's got three years left, you say, okay, we're going to give you that $20 million in, in bonus instead of salary. Bonus is treated as uh, cap-prorated. So instead of a 20 million cap, it goes to a 5 million cap and 5 million is added to each of the next three years. They do that consistently. They did it every year with Drew Brees. They do it with other players uh, and they have a big bill at the end. And 
what happens is people say, well, you know, fans of the Saints are always saying, yeah, I mean, we're going to just kick it down and we'll keep being good. And the problem is you pay the piper and I think they're counting something, Drew Brees, something like 25 million last year while he was working for NBC. Um, you see what's happening. They lose a, a starting corner in Chancey Gardner-Johnson because they can't pay him. They've lost other players to free agency. They just can't pay him. So there are, you know, there are consequences to that. It's not just, they're not just failing uh, after Drew Brees due to not having Drew Brees. I think there's some problems there. Do you think they should have like traded all these draft picks and kind of maybe doubled down this year? Like what, what wouldn't have this been the perfect time to maybe just kind of rip off the bandaid and start from scratch? Yeah, I would think, but you know, again, I think they trade a lot of assets to get Chris Olav and, that's a receiver, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I understand for a proven guy like AJ Brown, but yeah, that that seems like a lot. A lot of people when they a lot of people have this term when they talk about the Saints and maybe the Rams and other and other and other teams. And I'm assuming you've heard this before. The salary cap is fake. A lot of people have thrown that term out. What do you what do you make of that term? Well, I think the salary cap can be fake if if you're only concerned about this year, you know. That when I was with the Packers, you know, I'd have a coach or GM, people ask me on the street, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we get this guy? Can we that? And my answer is always the same. If you only care about this year, sure, <laughs> we can do everything. But I'm a little more risk averse personally as a person. And that was just my my thing. I wanted to take on as much cap as I could so we'd be more flexible in the future. So when we traded Brett Favre at the end of his career, you know, our dead money charge was like $600,000. You know, now you see dead money charges, Carson Wentz, 34 million, Matt Ryan, $40 million is counting on the Falcons cap this year, highest charge in the league, and he's not playing for them. This is what gets you in trouble. And along those lines, Brendan, I totally disagree with the people that say, oh, you can't build a contending team with a $40 million quarterback. You absolutely can. Because think about, think about a team right now. Probably 60% of your roster, 50 to 60% of your roster, think about that, is on rookie deals. And conservatively, say each of them has a cap number of a million dollars. So that's 35 players, right? 35 million for 60% of your team. So now you have 175 million for the other 30% of your team. That's not hard. Mm -hmm. What gets you in trouble is what I just talked about, all the crap on the, on the cap. You know, the dead money for this guy or for that guy or the extra money that you have on a quarterback because of all the restructures he's been doing. So that's the way I feel. So the Denver Broncos, um, famously this offseason, hired a new head coach. They hired Nathaniel Hackett. They brought in Russell Wilson, um, and they paid him. I think he had a tweet. Uh, was it 2025? Russell Wilson's going to be making $55 million or something like that. I think you had a tweet around that. And his contract is is baffling. Like if you take uh -huh. a look at, at the cap hits that are coming later, and like they are absolutely all in on Russell Wilson. I know it's been three games, Andrew, but you think they make the, you think they made the right call? 
I think no matter how much they deny it, I think they were all in on Aaron Rodgers. And uh, they hired the Packers coach that was close to Aaron. And it didn't happen. And I think they transitioned to Russell Wilson. I'm not saying they did not want to trade for Russell Wilson. I'm saying they really wanted to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron, you know, decided to come back to Green Bay. And here we are. Listen, I'm a fan of Russell Wilson. It's just a question of, you know, is he going to get right in that offense? Uh, is it going to look different in a couple of weeks, in a month than it does now? It's going to be back to being a, a very dynamic player. We haven't seen it yet, but let's see if we do. And uh, as for the contract, you know, I kind of criticize the contract, actually, because, you know, this is the standard refrain of what I've been talking about for six months. The question I had, the major question for me in my area, the business of football was, is the Deshaun Watson contract going to be a precedent or an outlier? And unfortunately for future quarterbacks, the Russell Wilson deal kind of makes it look like an outlier because here's Russell Wilson only getting the standard traditional two or three year guarantee and not a full guarantee like Watson. So uh, the next test case is Lamar. We can talk about that. But Russell's going to make a lot of money, but in two, three years, if they don't like him, they, they can get rid of him. Yeah. So Nathaniel Hackett has not done a good job. As I don't think I think it's fair to say that over the first three games, he made some kind of bad in-game decisions. I've actually talked to a couple of people that have worked with him and have played for him, and they say that he's a great guy, happy-go-lucky guy, mm -hmm. maybe not the best football mind and maybe not the best leader in your in your time spending in front offices and, and talking to people have have you ever heard of like maybe a team just kind of like fully regretting a hiring like this early or anything like that like how long does it take for maybe a general manager owner and whatnot to kind of clue in and say maybe we made the wrong call here yeah i don't know about that i mean i, I think that's something that probably takes more of a time and unless there's just um there's not buy-in you know, that's what's scary when 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 you have you don't have buy in from the player side. Um, you know, there have been one and done coaches uh, back to Cleveland with Chudzinski years ago. There have been Doug Marone might have been a one and done. Uh, you know, it happens. And that's what you're talking about. But um, unless there's some personal morality issue, I can't see it <laughs> happening before a year. We'll see. I mean, listen, the Broncos, I think, are two and one. They are two and one. They're, I think they're the weirder two and one starts in NFL. Yeah, it's like them and the, the Bears are like the yeah. worst two and one teams ever. But yeah. Um, okay, Lamar Jackson, you brought that up. I want to talk yeah. about this because I think he's, in your mind, I, I'm assuming he's probably the most interesting guy to watch out for for a new contract. He, he's about to get paid. Get yeah, and money. he's representing himself. And it's ironic because people say, oh, he should get an agent. He should get an agent. Well, he's the only one that has balked at, uh, being, you know, shouted out about the Watson contract, that it's an outlier, it's an aberration. He's like, I don't think it is. And the agents for Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray or Derek Carr that have done deals since Watson, like, yeah, okay, it is. But he's bucking up against that. And he's betting on himself and he's having a great year. The problem, and I wrote about this, I've talked about this on my podcast. The problem for Lamar is that he can't really bet on himself. Because of this the mechanism tag. the NFL has, it's the terrible tag. for top players. It's yeah. the tag. So Baltimore's got his rights next year. You know, he cannot name his price next year. 
And that's unfortunate because again, you'll only have so many years at a high level and he may, he may just continue to go through this and they may say, Hey, we're never going to do the Watson deal. And here we go. So I'm a Lamar fan. I'm actually impressed at his negotiating because he's just not going to fall for the, the, tailpipe trick that all the other quarterbacks are falling for have you did you ever negotiate with people that didn't have agents like did yes you, yeah what was it what i was found it? it very difficult brandon because yeah. i thought it would be cool you know these players would say hey andrew you're cool you're a former agent i don't need an agent and it was very hard i won't name names but players would say it would it would wreck relationships right because i'm telling them they're not as good as they think i'm telling them they don't have they, the worth that they think they do. It's very raw and emotional. I, I was, it was very hard and I lost relationships, my wife and their wife, that whole thing, you know? And, uh, I appreciated the value of agents. I really did. Cause they're a buffer, you know, for, for tough talk. How much do agents usually take from a contract? Well, the max in football is 3%, but for superstars that they're not paying that, uh, even number one picks aren't even paying that. So if Lamar really wanted an agent, he'd have a line at the door for people that would probably do it for 1%, half a percent, maybe flat fee, 50 grand, something like that, just to be Lamar's agent. So I don't think that's the reason if he's worried about money, he'll, he could get a cheap agent, a good agent for cheap. Okay. Green Bay Packers. So you, you worked for the organization for quite a while. Um, you know, this organization pretty well. Um, they had a really interesting summer. They traded uh -huh. a receiver, Devonta Adams, for first and second round pick. They after signing their their franchise quarterback to a big extension at an old age, it's kind of never really seen something like this before. Um, and what, what do you make of how the Green Bay Packers have built their built their roster and, and everything that's kind of gone on over the last six months? Well, I think they're they're great scouting. They have been since I was there. They seem to find these players I talked about earlier in this podcast about finding these players on the scrap heap that are now stars um obviously everyone knows they don't play big in free agency don't have to it's a draft and develop team it's a team that develops its own and then pays them as i did you know they identified david bakhtiari pay him they identified Jair alexander pay him they identified aaron jones pay him so this is what happens and then of course it's all governed by aaron in terms of these talent level, uh, he just has a talent level I've never seen in the sport. Um, and, you know, I knew Aaron a lot better when I was there and he was a young player. Now he's got a real thoughtfulness about him that really aligns with the way I think about things. I'm kind of a, a Zen guy myself. So I think it's cool. I think he brings a nice calm to that team, these young players. Um, and I always predict big things for that team. They have been the most successful team in the NFL the past three years in the regular season. And you just got to see the, the playoffs. It's just been this weird thing with the, the block punt in the 49ers game, a crazy game a couple of years ago, crazier game a couple of years before that. It's just what Aaron's come up against is uh, playoff games where – the defense is letting up a lot of points or whatever it may be, the special teams. So it's unfortunate for Aaron. Everyone points to the, you know, the lone Super Bowl. But, you know, I think they're, I think 
I, I predicted before the season, I still do, that uh, it's them and the Eagles in the championship game, and we'll see where it goes. Are the Packers – I've always had this this term to kind of to stick to the Packers. I've always thought of them as a pay-as-you-go franchise, if that kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, you kind of explained a little bit, too, how they kind of pay their own talent. Is that is, – am I wrong there, or – that's always been cap strategy that I use and I, they still yeah. use where if you have a guy you're paying $20 million, you'd want to get that cap number as close to 20 million as you can. So you're not just pushing it out. Uh, sort of the opposite of what you talked about with the Saints and Rams. Trying to pay as you go because you want to be flexible for the future. And I learned that with Brett because I knew we'd have to turn this team over to Aaron Rodgers and – you want a good team. You know, you don't want a team socked away with $40 million of dead money for Brett Favre. So that was always in the back of my mind. And listen, as everyone knows, listening, we didn't have an owner. And I just tried to think, you know, what would our shareholders want me to do in this situation? And uh, I acted kind of that way. The Packers are like a public trust, you know, and I appreciated the magnitude of what I was doing. Uh, running the entire player payroll for the team, player negotiations, salary cap management, because it was my lane. You know, we had a lot of great scouts in that lane, and we all sort of did our thing. Do you miss it? I don't. (laughs) I have a lot going on. You know, I have a lot of interests. I sort of mentioned this sort of Aaron Rodgers thoughtfulness that I appreciate. Um, I'm very into fitness and triathlons, and I do – you know, I have a full-time job at Villanova yeah. teaching and writing and, uh, of course, all my other media pursuits, but I I don't miss it. You know, it's interesting. I've asked that a lot. I miss three days a year. You know, you have some huge win and you're flying back from a city yeah. with a big win. or But, you know, then the next day you're up at six in the morning and you're, you're bleary, but I don't. Packers are a super interesting team this year. Uh, I think they're uh, they, they've yeah. kind of gone against um, what they usually do. Like Aaron Rodgers is averaging five point five air yards per pass right now. That's dead last in the NFL. They're getting the ball out early. They they don't have like the Devonta Adams that you're used to. I just super fascinated with that team um, this year. And uh, I think that'll change. You know, yeah. I think that'll, they've got these great running backs, so they're going to rely on that. But you know, once they get uh, the kid Watson out there, the speed receiver, you know, I think that'll change. So this is my last question for you before we go. Um, and you might have kind of you kind of just answered it before, but what's the future look like for Andrew Brandt? What, what do you look so <laughs> to accomplish? Um, what's on deck for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as long as I'm alive, I'll uh, I'll teach and I'll write. Uh, you know, I look at this third chapter of my career. I was an agent first chapter. I was team executive second chapter. This chapter I've been at for ten years, and it's basically giving back the way I know, which is I'm not going to cure cancer. I'm not going to come up with a vaccine. But what I can do is lend my unique knowledge and insight, having been an agent, having been on the team side, having the ability to write and communicate to students, to readers, to listeners, to podcast listeners, whatever it may be. And I want to keep doing that. Uh, I'm developing my newsletter. I'm developing a premium part of my newsletter. Um, I continue to speak at events. I do uh, expert witness for litigation about player earnings. So I'm happy. Um, you know, I know everyone asks me, when's the book? <laughs> you know, 
I got to write the book at some point. Yeah, um, I'm sure you do. You know, I'm writing columns and newsletters now, so one day I'll get to the book. Andrew Brandt writes for Sports Illustrated, former executive of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, one of the most impressive guys that I've ever talked to on this podcast. Thanks for doing this. Before we go, plug in where the listeners can look at your work, find your work, follow you on social media, plug in anything you got. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. I've got my newsletter now I just mentioned. So you go to andrew-brandt.com. You get a free newsletter every Sunday morning. It's called My Sunday 7. Now, if you want to hear me every day, daily videos, weekly meetings, that's the premium part I mentioned. It's Sports Business League. So you go to andrew-brandt.com uh, slash SBL for Sports Business League. SBL. Of course, the podcast, The Business of Sports, my columns at Sports Illustrated, and uh, wherever you find me, I'm, uh, I'm out there. I'm very active on Twitter. And of course, I do reels every day on Instagram. So Andrew Brandt, too, is the Instagram. I think that'll do it. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Brendan.